Welcome, everyone, to the Top Producer Podcast, and I am Paul Neefe, your host. And uh, today, we're actually going to have a conversation with Ariane or Ari uh, Chavez from uh, the Panhandle of Texas. Would that be an accurate statement? You are in the Panhandle of Texas, aren't you, Ari? That's correct. We are up here in the Panhandle. We're uh, around. I think you're almost as far. Well, how far are you from the Oklahoma border then? Well, Oklahoma, so the, like, we have Boy City, and uh, and then if you go over to Guymon, um, that okay. would be, like, the next area. So, that's probably a good hour from us. Okay, so, so yeah. you're still, you're still, uh, yeah, well, you're definitely in the panhandle, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, we are close to, uh, we could go to any state up in this area pretty quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been, uh, I've been to Amarillo area. Oh man, how many times I've been to Amarillo area in the last five years? Probably ten or fifteen times. So, uh, uh, although when I've been down there, I don't know. Typically, well, I've been there in July. So you know, a few years back, we had the Farm Financial Standards meeting there, but I don't remember it being too hot. So, uh, but enough about the weather. Let's 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 talk about Ari. So. Uh, you know, we always like to start off the podcast uh, with your background. So let's uh, let's dig into that a little bit. Okay. Well, I grew up in New Mexico, actually. Um, I'm from Moriarty, New Mexico. Uh, my folks are still there. And I went to college at New Mexico State University. I started my undergrad with Aggie Con Ag Business. And about my junior year in, I really liked the accounting courses that I had. So I thought, I really want to add that into what I'm doing. So I took, I stayed an extra semester. I added the bachelor's of accounting and um, it took me, you know, just that one extra semester to finish some of the upper uh, upper division accounting courses, but then I was able to get out with um, my bachelor's of ag business, ag econ, and my bachelor's of accounting. Okay. And then uh, from there, I took a job over here in the Panhandle. So um, my husband and I, we he was already over here, um, and so we ended up coming over here. And um, I worked for uh, the in the feedlots. I was in beef. For a little while and then uh, from there I came to Agrivision and so I entered into the dairy world um, and from I decided there at this point um, you know I think I think I want to go ahead and go for my CPA at this point um, okay. I you know when I graduated with my undergrad I was like nah I don't need to do that, um, <laughs> but I've learned to say never say never uh, because life changes. So yes, yes, um, it does. It does. So I went back to uh, West Texas A&M there in Canyon, and I got my master's of accounting, and I sat for the CPA exam shortly after, and so here I am. Now I'm still yeah. here 
with AgriVision. Um, okay, and and we'll talk about what AgriVision is here in a second. Uh, okay. You know, it's interesting because uh, I'm definitely older than you are, Ari. We would know that, but uh, <laughs> back in the dark ages, in order to become a CPA, you only need to have a BA. You only needed to have 120 hours, and then about oh, I can't remember, 10, 15 years ago, they increased, maybe 20 years ago, they increased the requirement to 150 hours. Now, it doesn't technically have to be a master's, but you have to have at least 150 right. hours of, of um, you know, college credits in order to become a CPA. Now, there certainly is some discussion now that due to the fact that we can't attract enough people to become CPAs that they might drop that back to 120 hours to make it easier for people to become CPAs. But that's a whole different subject. We don't need to go into those details too much. <laughs> we don't need to run down that hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there but, was definitely some courses I needed to still sit. So. Um, but, but I'm assuming when you took the exam, was it all computerized or were you it was, sitting? Okay. So it again, back in the dark yeah. ages, it was all handwritten. You had a form that you had to fill out. Yes. And, it, and even when you went into the restroom, there was some guy there that was uh, ma making sure that uh, you weren't cheating by bringing something into the restroom with you. you so gonna it, was, really it was definitely a little interesting back then. Yeah, no, we it was all computerized and all the sections were separate. So we just took one section at a time. Um, yeah, and, and we took yeah. all... Well, you had to take them all. Four yeah. Sex, yeah, four, <laughs> but technically five sections because they broke practice into two sections, if I remember right. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was a two and a half day exam. And the yeah. interesting thing, of course, the people that are listening to this are probably getting bored. But uh, uh, back then, I took the test at Seattle Center. There was probably 600 plywood tables in this huge room. And I sat on the right-hand side of the plywood table. And then this lady across from me sat over on the left-hand side, but across from me. And I still remember I'm, I'm taking the test, you know, the first test, and I'd be writing down the answers. And I sort of glanced at the lady across from me. And she's just sitting there with a blank stare on her face, not doing anything at all. And then at the end of the first test, she got up, walked out, and never saw her ever again. So oh, uh, no. yeah, I, I still remember that. So, just, she realized it was not for her at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least at that time, it wasn't for her. So, so yeah. now let's let's what you know for the listeners out there. What is AgriVision? Okay, so AgriVision is um, a management company. We offer uh, the accounting services. Um, and talent management services for our customers. So that is what, in a nutshell, AgriVision is. Is that primarily for dairy customers or is it for other types of ag, uh, ag enterprises? No, it is, it is dairy. There's a little bit of farmland, but it's farmland to go into the dairy to feed the dairy cows. So it's, it's all rolled up essentially. Um, so I, we primarily we're just dairy. And so and so we got two CPAs sort of geeking out on this right now. Uh, <laughs> so you are doing I'm, I'm guessing you're doing some type of accrual basis financial statements. Is, is that correct? That is correct. We are accrual, full accrual. Yes. And in by full accrual, I think a lot of farmers out there when they hear accrual, I, I think they generally think you still sort of do things on the cash method 
And then at the end of the year, you might book your inventories and your receivables and your prepaids and so on. But but I'm guessing yours is more of a true accrual where as the transactions occur, you're posting them in sort of a real time and not just simply making an adjustment at year end. Um, can you go through that a little bit for the listeners? Sure, absolutely. You are correct. So we are we are not rolling through a cash system and then just making some accrual adjustments at the end of the year. We are accruing and uh, posting to the correct period throughout the entire year. So, um, you know, we really have re- relied on, um, I'm going to throw out the word SOPs. You know, we definitely like our processes and our systems down to able to get our financial statements where we can have them full accrual at any point in time. Um, So I think we pride ourselves that we are able to provide very good data for our customers um, because of that. So it, it is, it has worked for us. Um, That has was started before I came uh, to work for AgriVision. So that I can't say that's something that I was part in implementing, but um, we, we are definitely um, full accrual all, all year long. <laughs> so. so on the accrual accounting, uh, as far as let's say like a cost center, do you have separate cost centers, maybe for the feed operation, maybe for, um, you know, the machinery side, uh, you know, what type of cost centers and how do you manage that accounting process? Well, so as far as cost centers go, so each of our customers, we have them set up as um, their, their, their own business, right? So they have their own set of books. Um, on the farming side, we are, we do utilize uh, separating out by production year, production location, profit center, um, the profit center being the crop. Um, But all of that at the time of costing, we sell that to the dairy um, and that just goes over as an inventory item on the dairy side. Um, When when you sell it to the dairy, do you sell it at a cost or do you determine what the local, local fair market value for that for that hay or silage or haylage or whatever it might be. I'm just curious how you do that. Yeah, no, we sell it at cost. Okay. Um, yeah, we sell it at cost. So um, there's a little work done there um, to to make sure we have all of that appropriately um, allocated and you know put to the correct crops. Um, but then when it goes over to the dairy side, then it just becomes, um, you know, like, wheat silage 2023 at x price per ton okay um yeah and then on the dairy go ahead yeah go ahead go ahead i interrupt or go ahead oh that's okay um so then yeah on the dairy side uh we do have um a fleet so we do have some a fleet management software um but we that's that is part of what AgriVision does is we we maintain that record um, and uh, send out whatever the information needs to be sent out on uh, regarding the fleet to the to all of our customers um, to try to help keep 
um, everything ro- like rotating, you know, preventive maintenance schedules, anything we can provide to assist with that, um, we do do that. Uh, but as far as uh, the costs are tied to that, um, you know, anything that they're going to put on those pieces of equipment, you know, you're essentially just charging it to a repair and maintenance account um, that role is on the on the dairy financial books. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing on the dairies that you deal with, some of them are conventional and some of them are organic. Is, is that right? Yes, that would be right. Um, just curious, what, what do you see trends-wide right now? Is, is the organic more profitable than, than conventional or vice versa? Or is it just depending on the point in time as to which one is more profitable? It definitely is a point in time type of conversation on that. Um, dairy has been struggling this year, I'm sure as you're aware. Yeah, um, yeah dairy's really tough right now. Um, so conventionally, the prices are really not ideal. Um, it's really tough. But then if you remember coming through what happened with the pandemic and post-pandemic, um, our feed costs are just really high. Um, so I know if you're coming out of, you know, the pandemic, all of the, you know, just the fertilizers and the everything yeah. was just astronomical, not to mention, you know, the utilities, our utilities were high as well um, here in Texas. And so um, everything just kind of made for really expensive feed coming out of those two years. And so, um not a good time for the, you know, conventional prices to take a hit when we're starting to feed some of that higher feed cost. Um, but it, so yeah, it varies. It varies of what's happening, um, of which one is more profitable. So Yeah. So even in a case of uh, like in, let's say your dairy or one of your dairies that does a lot of their own feed due to the fact that fertilizer is higher, the labor is higher, that's still going to cycle through the dairy over to the dairy that they are going to have higher feed costs, even if they're not buying it from a third party. So, so that's probably what you're seeing on, on your dairy statements there, aren't you? Absolutely. Yes. Now, yeah. are all of the dairies just located in Texas or are some of the dairies located farther away? Uh, we do. Majority of them are here in Texas. Um, we do have one dairy location um, in Indiana, and but the rest of them are just right here near us. Right is here most the, of is most of the dairy herd? Is it under roof or is it? Uh, um, I would think with the heat that you might have down there, you want to protect them a little bit more than maybe in other areas. But uh, what 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 type of uh, confinement do the do the herds have? Uh, they're actually it's pretty open for them out here. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. Good. In Indiana, they have we are able to shut them in just a little bit more um, because of the weather it, so through the collective. winter up there. Yeah, through the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. down there, you're going to get a little bit of winter weather once in a while, the panhandle, but usually it's not too bad. Is that right? Yes, it gets cold. Um, and if it does, if it is going to blizzard, you know, the worst part of it is the winds because they, that makes horrible conditions. But, um, you know, in the last couple of years, we've been fairly, 
unscathed, I should say, for uh, blizzard-like weather. It's kind of gone around us. Um, so we've been okay, but yeah, it's, it's kind of the, a, a bitter cold and then, and then some snow here and there, but. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and then on your, and it seems like lately I've had a little bit of a foreign financial standards bent to the podcast, but, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of your financial statements sort of incorporate some of those standards that come out of the foreign financial standards. Is that right? Yes, we do. Yes. Yep, our statements. Um, our statements align pretty pretty good with the guidelines that are coming out. So, um, are, are are there any of the ratios that you would say that you rely on more than others? Is it maybe working capital ratio, working capital to expenses, or is there any type of ratios that that you really key in on more than the other ones? Um, I'd say we look. Uh, we look at kind of all of them. Um, we definitely calculate all of them to to look at when we're doing some analyses. Um, cash flow is obviously a big one, um, especially right now when when the markets are really tight. So you that's a that's one that we're you always want to make sure. Um, yeah, I, I I'd say I don't say we we rely on some more than others. I think we, we try, you, we got to look at all of it. You know, you got to okay. keep your looking around, <laughs> look along. Yeah. It's a whole story, right? The whole, if you yeah. go through all the race. Yeah. So. Yeah. But like I say, cash flow or, or the working capital is sort of the blood of a, of the organization or it's the oil that keeps the engine running, so to speak. So. Yep. Uh, cash uh, keeps the engine running. So you have to make sure you, you're, you have that. <laughs> Uh, maybe for the listeners out there, because, you know, last year was a pretty good pricing year. And this year, like you say, is uh, not, definitely not as good. What would have been like an average price last year versus an average price this year per hundredweight? Okay, so, you know, last year and, and the way it flows through the different classes, um, you know, you could get a varying price per hundred weight, but you were well into like the mid twenties last year, price per hundred weight. Um, and you know, if you had some more cheese in there, that would increase just a little bit. Um, this year we're down to like 16. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and actually for, for the listeners out there, I think we had a little glitch on the audio on, on, on your end, but I saw in the transcript that last year your pricing looks like it was in that mid-20s. And like mm -hmm. you say, for this year, you're down to about 16. So that's about a, a close to a 40% reduction in price. So that, that definitely does hit the bottom line fairly quickly. It does, yes. Okay, okay. Well... Ari, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for a sponsor message, and then uh, we'll uh, ask a few few of my key questions I always like to ask everybody that's on the call. So we'll come back and do that here after the break. How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? Ten years? 
Top producers like Hans Reinchi, a blue diamond farming company in Jessup, Iowa, know Raboagger Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's I'm building our grain site, or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Rabo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers, and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance, Rabo Agri Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, Rabo Agri Finance. Welcome back, everyone, to the Top Producer Podcast. Uh, this is Paul Neef, your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with Ari Chavez from the hand, Panhandle of Texas. Uh, so, Ari, we've sort of talked about, you know, the, the financial accounting, the dairy industry a little bit. Uh, now let's, uh, let's uh, dive into a little bit of some personal stuff. So I always like to ask uh uh, who is your mentor? Is there anybody that you would view as being your mentor in your career so far? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's whenever you come think of the term mentor, right? You start going through everybody you've come across who've helped you along the way, and there's there's quite a few. Um, and I have to look back, way back, and I kind of chuckle to myself because. Uh, the career path that I ended up in, but way back in uh, high school, I was uh, in FFA and I was um, horse judging and my horse judging coach, she was a CPA. And um, I laugh now because I never thought here I would be um, also in the same profession. Um, but I think, uh, you know, she was a very a uh, strong mentor at a young, at a young age for me. And yep. then um, fast forwarding through, um, there's lots of people in between, um, lots of uh, uh, professors and friends that have obviously influenced um, me along the way. And in my current role here, I have had the privilege to be working with, um, I think a wonderful person. Um, she's a Sherry DeYoung is my uh, CFO and owner, and she is, I would say, a strong mentor for me um, for the last few years. So, no, I've been very, very blessed by the people that have uh, definitely poured into me and uh, have taken the time to uh, work with me or work on me, giving me feedback, you know, all the stuff that comes with having a, a mentor in your life. So yeah, it's, I would say those two are my top two uh, okay. looking, okay. looking back. Yep. Well, and I know you have some young kids and then you also have a full-time job. So uh, do you have any time for any hobbies? Well, we actually, um, yeah, we just bring the kids right along with us uh, to do all of our things. But uh, we have horses um, at our house. So, yeah, if we find some free time, um, that is definitely where we, you will find us is we're going to be out riding. Um, actually, this summer, our, our daughter got to do her little 
play day rodeo series. So that was fun. That was kind of a weekend warrior situation um, where we were hauling her, not very far. It's in our town, but um, we got to haul her a little bit. So that was exciting. Um, But yeah, right now we're just in that season of life where, where our kids activities are going to take us, but, um, but we're enjoying it. So I'm curious, uh, what's a play day rodeo? Yeah. Um, So it's, they call them play days. Uh, I know they've been called gym cannas and little rodeos. Uh, they're different terms, but it's essentially uh, a rodeo for kids. Um, so she got to do, you know, the barrels and the poles, um, flags, uh there's usually what they call a wild card and they get to, it's like a different pattern every time. So that kind of throws some of the competition in there. You have to learn your pattern right away um, before that class comes up. And then um, goats, she gets to, ju- she's so young. She gets to just jump off and go grab the ribbon off their tail. She doesn't have to tie a goat by any means <laughs> yet, but the <laughs> that'll come later. But um, yeah, so it's, it's just uh, a little rodeo for the kids. Okay. Now, yeah. she ride a horse during this time, or is it all more she's down on the ground and, uh, uh, like, say she's uh, running around chasing a goat? I'm just curious if she's actually <laughs> on a horse. No, she is on her horse, yes. Okay. Yeah, so she's on her horse, and she's in there by herself. So we're not we're not in there um, leading her around. She's she's doing the whole thing herself. So you know, we. This new place we bought here in Colorado, it's actually got a little four-stall horse barn, and, and it's got a chicken coop attached to it. My wife's got chickens, and she's thought about maybe getting horse riding training because she's, I think, a little bit afraid of a horse. But uh, uh, but I'm just thinking to myself, well, man, if my wife gets a horse, there's another 1000 bucks a month on feed and so on I have to deal with. So uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, I, I think I'm telling her, man, maybe we don't need a horse. So. <laughs> yes, they definitely cost money. The horses yeah. do. <laughs> hey, we have four labs and seventeen chickens. Believe me, uh, my my uh, my feed bill is not cheap. So you already uh, have a it. good feed bill. Yes, I yeah. like. <laughs> but, but again, I'm a firm believer: happy wife, happy life. So uh, she's <laughs> she's pretty happy. So, uh, um, is there anything that uh, keeps you up at night? Um. Well, right now, you know, it's just. The, the production ag world is ever-changing, and um, so, yeah, I definitely think about, you know, what is what is the future there, and what is, um, how are we going to meet some of the challenges? Um, absolutely. So, that is, that definitely is what would keep me up at night. Okay. And then, uh, finally, what's your... Uh definition of success either in farming or in business uh, what would be your definition that's a good question um success you know there's there's all forms of success um obviously the financial success um but you know are you are you uh, pouring into someone's life whether that is your team members um, your colleagues, your community. Um, I think if you have a presence, um, in any of those areas, 
you know, are you, are you able to give back? Are you able to, uh, be a mentor for someone else? Um, are you able to, uh, share any, uh, insights you have, some lessons you've learned along the way, um, anything like that. I think if you're able to, uh, give back in some way, um, that's a form of success as well. So. Yeah, definitely agree. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we go ahead and sign off? I think I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Paul. Okay. Okay. No problem. Again, this is the top producer podcast, and this is Paul Neeker, your host, signing off. <laughs>